Okay, let's start this year's Parsha's Noach, Tafshin Ayin Hey, as we uh, get deeper into Sefer Bracious. Our Bracious year was before Yom Kippur, so now we really start the uh, start the seventh cycle of uh, our, our Shiurim here from, uh, from Beit Shemesh, and we start off with a thought based on a Ramban. Just a small thought to, uh, to get things started in the... Uh, in the parsha, Kaddish Baruch Hu tells Noach to take a number of animals into the teva. Noach takes, Kaddish Baruch Hu tells him, he needs to take two animals, min ha-behemah ha-torah, min ha-behemah she-reinenda torah, perek zayin pasaches, from the kosher and the non-kosher animals, v'chulu shnayim shnayim, bo'u, I'm sorry, that's where he came. We have to go to where the command is, pasik beis, mikala behemah ha-torah, tikach l'cha shiva shiva ish v'ishto. Take seven, ish ishto, an interesting Russian we've discussed in the past, husband and wife, ish ishto, not just zacher and a keva. It says ish ishto, describing animals. Take seven pairs, umen ishto. Seven pairs and two pairs. Seven pairs of the kosher animals and two pairs of the non-kosher animals. This could be one of the most illustrative and graphic partios that we have in our, in our mind from, from growing up in all of our youth. The teva with the picture of the animals and Noah. Uh, so this is it. So he has the tzivui of seven pairs and two pairs. And then what actually happens? Noah goes onto the teva with his family, and from the animals, We'll get back to that lashem later. Shnayim later. Shnayim Noach. Two by two, they came to Noah el hateva. Rashi quoting Chazal notes here that it does not say that Noach brought the animals to the Teva. It says, Ba'u el Noach, el ha-teva. They came. They came, they just walked in. Rashi says one word, <coughs> me'alehen, by themselves. They came by themselves. Continuing, shnaim shnaim. how do we translate that phrase? Who came to the Teva? Shnaim shnaim Ba'u el Noach. What does Rashi say? Kulam hushvu b'minyin all the animals were equal in this number. Min ha-pachos The minimum, the smallest number were two. What's bothering Rashi? There have been many svarim written. I think I might have mentioned this before. Rashi has unbelievable magic in his pirush. How many svarim do we have written about Rashi's commentary on the Torah? In history, since Rashi 900 years ago. How many svarim have there been written on Rashi's commentary, explaining Rashi's commentary, at least 600. At least 600 svarim written on Rashi. Who's in second place? Who's second most? The Ramban has about seven or eight. That's it. There's something about Rashi. Every time Rashi says something or doesn't say something. So what is Rashi saying here? Shnayim, shnayim, they're all equal, but minyan said. Rashi is bothered. Hashem told him to bring seven. So what do you mean? Two and two came. Only two came? Hashem says, bring seven of these and two of these. And what does it say? Two of them came. So Rashi is saying, it just says two because it means the minimum. That's the common denominator between all the animals. At least two came from each animal. That's what, Ra- that's what the Pasuk is saying. It has to describe the animals. And out of all the animals, at least two came. So it says two. That's what it, how we, <coughs> we should understand the Pasuk. At least two came from each animal. The Radak maybe gives the Pashup shot as we would have understood this. The Radak says it means two by two. It doesn't mean two. It means in pairs they came. It doesn't specify, but yes, seven pairs came of the kosher animals, and one pair came from the non-kosher animals. That's Shnayim, Shnayim, Bo'u El Noach. But then we have the Ramban. The Ramban tells us now getting to source number one. Says the Ramban. It's quoted here in the Yad Torah, but it's the Ramban. He quotes it in verbatim, so that's how I gave it to you. V'yal daiti shekein haya sheba'u mikulam shnayim zachar unikeva me'atzmam. No, like Rashi says, two animals, male and female, came from each species, from each type, only two. Two kosher animals, two non-kosher animals. It doesn't say it in the text. 
But Noah himself added another six pairs. They didn't come by themselves. Two animals came from each species by themselves. That's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The two animals came. But the six extra ones, six extra pairs, Noah brought. Why, what's the difference between the two and the, and the, the one pair and the six pairs? Ki haboyim a pair per animal had to get on the teva, not for Noah's good, but for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's good, for the salvation of the animal. We needed giraffes in the world. So we needed two giraffes on the teva. We needed elephants in the world. We needed rabbits in the world. Two animals came per species, but that was Bitzat Hashem. I'm not starting over. So I need two animals to go on the teva to start reproducing after the mabul. What about the other six pairs? That was for Noah to bring as a carbon when he got out. In a mitzvah, you got to do it yourself. You got to put in your own hard work to get the mitzvah done. I got a spark who can help you out a little bit, but he's not going to do the work for us. We shouldn't think that mitzvahs are given to us. Adam la'amel yulad, as the pasuk says, we're there to work hard. I got a The two animals that come automatically from each one that comes. The extra six. Says the Ramban, karban We want the full schar. A mitzvah is reflected by the amelus that we put into it, and as we know, the fum agra, the more amelus that we put into it, the more hard work, the greater the reward. Where else do we see these? Says Rebbe Yitzchak in the Kedushas Levi, also quoted here by Rifka Imenu. If you're medayik in the psukim in Parshas Chayisara. When Eliezer, Evan Avram, goes and he's going to go get a wife for Yitzchak. And we'll talk about that again this year. Why Yitzchak is not around in all Parshish Chayasara. Finding a wife for him. But what does it say there? As we know, Eliezer came to the well and she is... How does he know that this is the one? The water rises towards her. Water rises towards her. Unbelievable. Ulam. But it's only alluded to that at the beginning. Ulam kasher But later on in the story, when she starts dishing out the water and filling up the pails for Eliezer, for the Gemalim, Hamayim lo'alulukrasa. The water didn't come up to her then. It came to her when she was doing, doing her, her own feet, uh, watering. But when she was doing the Maisa Chesed, she had to do that herself. Kisha'adam ose mitzvah, chashuv yoser kishatorach b'mitzvah. It's a more chasha mitzvah when we put in our own hard work. The more hard work we do, we have to work hard when we do mitzvot. For ourselves, HaKadosh Baruch will give us a present. But if it's for us, we have to earn it. And that's why in our parsha, only two of the animals, only one pair came to Noah by, himself, by themselves. The other ones, imagine, imagine the work Noah had to do to get all those animals onto the boat. Right, not so easy. We have to think of the human side of this uh, of this story. The Medrash tells us Rashi quotes it that he got bitten by a lion one time. He was laid in the feeding. It's unbelievable. Imagine the uh, the life that year that Noah had to be on the boat. But this was at the beginning. Just schlepping on them onto the onto the teva was was his own hard work that he had to do. Okay, now let's get back to the beginning of the parsha. We have a number of smaller thoughts tonight. And then we have one or two uh, major ideas about pre and post the mabel. Okay, let's start off with the beginning. Actually, we'll start off with the end. The end of last week's Parsha. And the beginning of this week's Parsha. Nobody talks about Noah, Parsha's bracious. But really, that's when Noah is born. Noah is born at the end of last week. This Noah is going to, to save us. As we mentioned in the past, the Medrash says they knew that because Noah was the first one to have separated digits, to have fingers. Everybody was born with mitten hands before Noah. Noah was the first one to have fingers. That's how they knew that he's going to be able to hold tools and work the land. Okay. Last Pasuk in the Parsha, last week. The Noah Matzachin Beinei Hashem. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And then we have an amazing introduction <laughs> that we have for we have for Noah. Noah could be, is for sure one of the most enigmatic figures in all of the Torah. Pa, great guy, not great guy. Tzadik, not great guy. Tzadik Bidorosav. I mean, Avram, Yisrael, Yaakov, Bilam, Lavan, Lot. We're pretty clear about personalities in the Torah. 
Noach, maybe more than any other person in the entire Torah, is compared. He's compared to Avram. He's compared to others in his generation. He's compared to Moshe. He's compared to all different people. He's compared to Yisro. Midrash and pick up on Noach versus blank. Will the real personality of Noah please stand up? What are we supposed to learn about Noah? He wasn't even Jewish. But what are we supposed to learn about this man who mankind came from? So, says the Svarno. Two thoughts of the Svarno. First, at the end of last week's parsha, going into this week's parsha, Says the Svarno. And this is bothers many. We know that Hashem told Noah to build the Teva 120 years. It wasn't in a one-time one moment. 120 years. Why? Rashi tells us later in the parsha to give time for people to do tshuva. To give people time. The question that is asked by many is, 120 years and not one person was convinced? He wasn't Makarev one person in a hundred... You know how many muster he must have given? In 120 years. He's building a teva. God's going to bring... This is Noah. Whatever kind of tzaddik he was. He, he couldn't convince anybody? What was it about his message that they didn't see, see as the truth? Because there must have been a problem with the message that nobody was convinced. Let's hold that question for a moment. The Svarno does not ask that question. The Svarno just goes specifically into what type of tochacha. Noach must have given some type of rebuke to his generation. Some of Harshim say he didn't give any. But Noach must have given something. Says the Svarno, he gave a message, he gave rebuke, but it wasn't the rebuke of the ultimate type, of the ultimate quality. Says the Svarno in source number two. V'noach matzachein. And he gets it from those words. If I find favor in the eyes of Hashem, that means that he's doing me a favor. I find favor, so it's not kind of like Mishum Midas Hadin says this far. No, I deserve it. Magiali, well, I worked for it, so I'm going to get it. Matzachin is like, okay, Hashem said, I'll give it to you. So what did Hashem have to give Noah? Why didn't Noah deserve it? So he, he discusses other personalities, but let's skip down to line 12. V'chein Noah, afalpi shahochiach al hama'asim hamakalkalim, inyan hamadinos. Even though Noah did scream out and cry and try to get people to improve. But what was it rooted in? It wasn't because there's some divine element behind what I'm asking you to do. It wasn't, you better not do this because the Kaddish Baruch Hu thinks it's terrible. It wasn't that. It was that you're destroying society. Society can't function with this type of behavior. You're killing each other. Just stealing from each other is just not going to work. We're destroying, we're undermining the fabric of society, and we're all not going to be able to, we can't live together like this. It was societal reasons. It was social reasons. That's why he was convincing them to stop what they were doing. Again, what's his Lashin? Inyan Hamadinos. He was explaining it based on the country, the society, not to be like God and to walk in his ways. He had to do some type of message, says the Svarno, because if he was only for himself, then only he would have been saved. But his family was saved, and the, the world wasn't totally destroyed. The animals were saved. Hashem didn't tar- start again totally. So he must have given, given some type of message, but not the ultimate message. So he accomplished something, but not the ultimate. Rabbi Cooperman writes in his footnotes on the Svarno, in source number three, He gave Musr. But it wasn't based on Mu'ugan v'Torah Hashem ha'Mechayeves. Hatochacha shal Noach Yisa mechavenes l'Mitzvah shal Hechradas tovas ha'Chevra v'lo l'Mitzvah ha'Yonkos mitzav ha'Eloki. It was just society can't function like this. And he says it reminds us of a Rambam. The Rambam Hilchas Malachim. The Rambam tells us he quotes it. Call ha'Mekavel Sheva Mitzvos v'Nizar la'Sosan. If there's someone out there that is a Noachide that does all Sheva Mitzvahs B'nei Noach, <coughs> Harezeh mi Chasidei Umos Ha'olam, 
They're a pious, righteous Gentile. Mi olam. And they go to Olam Abba. They have a portion of Olam Abba, righteous Gentile, says the Rambam. Vihu. But then the Rambam adds a condition. Sheyikabelosan, v'yaaseosan, mipreishetziva behen HaKadosh Baruch Hu Batorah. You do it because we know there's a God. And we believe in Hashem. V'hodi'enu ayde Moshe Rabbeinu shebrenoach mikodem nitztavu bahen. We know HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded man to follow these laws. Aval continues the Rambam. Im asan mipnei hekra hadas. If we do it because, you know, these are societal norms, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to kill, I'm not going to, you know, uh, violate certain arayos, because this is society. Ein zeger toshav ve'eno mechasidei omos ha'olam. There's a question about the girs of the Rambam here. He has it in parentheses. Either way, without getting into the details of the Rambam, we see that there's a difference between why we do something. Do we do it because the Kaddish Baruch Hu told us to do it or because we do it? Because society accepts this as a norm. And therefore, that's what we're going to do. So Noah did it, but he didn't go all the way. Maybe, I'm just adding now, maybe that's why he wasn't convincing. Because Torah is the ultimate truth. And when we try to convince based on Torah... So that's ultimate MS. And that's going to get somebody. That's going to light the fire. That's going to light the, the spark in every Jew. And somebody would have been convinced in those 120 years if it would have been based on Torah, values and ideals. But it wasn't. It was just based on what society deems permissible and acceptable. And that's not going to work because you say this is society and I say this is what I'm going to do in society. And I'll have my own society. Point number one. And then the Svarno goes in, now in this week's Parsha, beginning of the Parsha, he goes into right after, Noach Matzachain, right after that, which is how he just described, that he did give some type of Musr, Eile Toldos Noach. These are the Toldos, Noach is Sadiq, Tamim Ayabadarosav, and he had kids. Vayola Noach Shoshavanim, Eshem, Escham, Ve'esyaf, Eshem, Cham, and Yafes. Says the Svarno, one line, second passage in our Parsha, source number four now. Vayole Noach, may Oz Shehitzchil Lahochiach Benedoro Zachalabanim. When he started giving Tochacha, giving Musr, giving rebuke, giving words of inspiration to his generation, he was Ochad have kids. He didn't have kids for 500 years. So Rashi tells us, Wamshat, because Hashem didn't want to have tons of people. Imagine if Noach had kids at, a, at age 100. You know how many people had to be on that Teva? Children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. Hashem didn't want to have to build such a big teva. So he held off for a couple hundred years. The Svarno giving a different shot. When he started to give tochacha, when he started to speak out and try to inspire others, then he was zochet to his kids. What's the connection? What is being a great malamed, being a great speaker and trying to inspire others? What does that have to do with having children? Says the Yam Simcha, says Rabbi Fried, source number five. Turning over the page on the right side. Says the Yam Simcha. When we start caring and inspiring and uplifting others, HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes that we could properly influence our personal students, which are our children. Once a person has proven, in certain cases, a skula, a skula for children is to teach others. This isn't obviously, Rahman al we know of cases of teachers or children, right, without children. But, says the Yom Simcha, maybe that's the shot of the Sfarno. He started worrying about other people's kids. So, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, okay, now you're ready to have your own. Line 12. Line if Hashem sees that a person is not able, won't be able to, again, there are exceptions, but this is just one idea that we can take with us. Because Baruch Hu sees that we're unable to influence, to be mashpia, or uninterested. Why should He give us a child? There might be other reasons we might be zochah to a child. Something else. But this is also a schus, says the Yom Simcha, explaining this far now. To call a tachlus lavi banim la bria hi la drichan badera chashem ulakadi shmo yisvarach. 
The whole purpose of bringing children to the world is to bring Ovde Hashem to the world. Not to think, oh, look at me. I'm a father. I'm a great guy. Look at me. They're going to give me covered. What's the purpose of a child? It's to serve HaKadosh Baruch To bring them closer to Hashem. That is the job of a parent. There's no parent school we go to. Sometimes I tell my kids, I'm like, where'd you learn that? I'm like, Abba school. Where's Abba school? What's Abba school? What's Abba school? You gotta learn on the job. Well, we go to school for everything else in life. Right? But we don't, we don't go to school to be a parent. We gotta learn that on the job. But a Baruch Hu, that's the, our ultimate purpose in being a parent is to be madrich, to channel, to guide our children to be makadi shem shemayim and davin. That's part of guiding them. Vechidim ufersh barshes vayera. Avram was a great nation. Why? Because he was able to teach. He was able to guide. And that's what he says even. But he says that's the Svarno. The Svarno, when Noach started being Mashpia, then he was Zochet to be a mashpi in his own family also. As we like to say, Puravu doesn't, doesn't end at birth. That's when Puravu starts. The Mitzvah of Puravu is not to have the biological child. Puravu starts at birth. That's when our function as parents kick in to be able to teach, to be able to guide, to be able to educate, to help them make decisions, help them be the best of the Hashem that we can that we can make them. And again, the rest is Yata Deshmaya. Many times we find parents that do their do do amazing things, but Kharash has other plans. But it's a job of a parent, obviously, to at least try their best. To try their best in all the areas of parenting. Okay. Moving right along. Another thought on the beginning towards the beginning of the parsha. Perak Vav. I'm going to focus on these couple of Sukim. Um, with the next couple of thoughts. So what happens? Noach has kids, and now we have the description of the generation. It has destroyed itself. It's Hamas. We'll get back to those words. Hashem, all of a sudden, Elohim. Elohim says to Noach, it was Elohim, Elohim, here, because it is Midas Hadin. Kate called Basar Balafanai, the end of all flesh has come in front of me. Because the land is full of Hamas. We'll get back to that robbery. They're destroying the land. The Rebbe of the Shach and the Taz. What does the Lashon mean? The end of time of all flesh has come in front of me. What do you mean come in front of me? Everything is in front of God. Hashem is everywhere. The Kates has come in front of him. What's the emphasis of the Pasik of Balufanai? Hashem is Hashem is right, is judges everything. Says the Chanukah Satorah. And he is always one to give us a sharp thought. Source number five on top. The Yeshladak, source number six on top. I'm sorry, I mislabeled. You have two number sixes there. So Nachla Satorah on top. And we'll get to the Nachlas Yaakov as Hashem shortly. V'yesh l'daktei tevas ba l'fnei balafanai ma balarames. What is that t- teaching me? Balafanai. V'yesh lo marapi ma marchachamenuzal. Let me explain based on a Gemara in Baba Kama. What does Gemara Baba Kama have to do with this? Let's see. Ma bin gazlan l'chamsan. There are two types of individuals, explains the Gemara, that take other people's money away. Two types of individuals. There's a gazlan, somebody who steals. A chamsan is also someone who steals. What's the difference? Hamas, chamsan. That's where the word comes from. Gazlan lo yoiv dame. A gazlan steals, doesn't pay for it. He steals something. What we call gazel. A gazlan. Chamsan yoiv dame. First child says the Gemara. A chamsan grabs your gold watch and then throws you a check. You don't want to give him the gold watch. But he wants it, and he's not giving you a choice. See, he grabs it and throws you a check. That's one difference between a gazlan and a chamsan. It's one example. Number two, Inami says the Gemara, chamsan bipachos misha vepruta. A chamsan steals a little bit 
And then another little bit. A little bit each time. So you can't take him to court. Gazlan Yosim is Shavapruta. And a Gazlan steals normally more than a Shavapruta. That's the difference between a Gazlan and a Chamsan. Now, says the Chanukas HaTorah. V'inei Mavur B'Kama Mekomos. De'ein Bezdin, I'm on line six. De'ein Bezdin is Kakin L'Pachot B'Shavapruta. Bezdin, a Jewish Bezdin, will not open a case for less than a Shavapruta. If it's a Shavapruta, then it opens the case. And if it's there first, it goes before the case of a million dollars. Right? Shavapruta. But if it's less than a Shavapruta, Bezdin does not deal with that case. It's stealing. It's an Avera. But Bezdin does not deal with that case. Says the Chanukah Zatara, let's get back to Parsha's Noah. What did Chazal tell us? What was so pernicious? What was so terrible about the door of the Mabel? Yeah, they stole. But they didn't just steal. They stole Pachas Mishavapruta. So nobody could take him to court. That's how they stole from each other. They were so evil. They figured out ways to steal and not be held accountable. What does the Pasuk say? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Kate's called Basar Balafanai. They're doing Averas that Bezin can't take care of. So you know what? I have to step in. Balafanai. It's come to me. It's come to my desk, says God. Because there's no one else in the world, there's no one in the world that could deal with this, but I can. Kasha line 11. Lama dafka ba'at small v'ladei bezin shomata. Why not a bezin? L'kach ha'amar. Ki mala ha'aretz chamas. Chamsan. Pachos b'shavapruta. The Pasuk says, why is it bolofanai? Because it's chamas. And it's not just gezel. Ratzalomar. Pachos b'shavapruta. V'enadai nizkan l'pachos b'shavapruta. And therefore I have to. B'chvodi u'va'atzmi. Says Hashem. I have to get involved in this case. Taking a Pasuk in Agadita and putting with it a Gemara in Babakama that has to do with the halachic context. Call out Kula on his fingertips. Okay, moving right along. Let's focus on these Pesukim again, but let's read them slowly this time. Pasuk Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, and Yud Gimel. Elokim. The world, the land is destroyed. The word Hashchasa is used. Destruction. Fatimalei Haaretz Hamas. Some type of thievery the land is filled up. So it's Hashchasa and it's Hamas. Two things. Next Pasik. Vayara Lokimes Haaretz Vihine Nishchasa. Hashem sees it is Mushchas. It is destroyed. Kiishchis Kalbasaras Darkoala Aretz. Because they have destroyed. Hashem sees Hashchasa. What doesn't Hashem see? Where's the Hamas? Pasuk Yedalaf says, there's destruction and there's Hamas. Next Pasuk, Hashem sees the destruction. Third Pasuk. Vayomer Elohim L'Noach. Kate kol basar bolofanai, kimala haaretz, Hamas miplehem. Hamas, he just saw the Ashchasa. And then it says, v'inem ashkis hamas haaretz, they're destroyed. How do you read the full of Zukim? The world is being Moshchas, and it's full of Hamas. God sees the Hashchasa, and he says, oh, I'm going to destroy it because of the Hamas. So what is it? There's different verbs. Every word of the Torah is, is Meduyak. So what's going on here? What, is, what was happening, and what did Hashem see? Says the Nachlis Yaakov. Nachlis Yaakov is Rabbi Yaakov Milisa, the Nesivos, in his commentary on Chomsh. He quotes this problem, he quotes the Psukim, in Surah number 6. It's wondrous. Quotes both. It only says he's all Ashkasa, not the Hamas. So what's going on here? Line number six at the end. Venere. Source number six, time number two. And then line six. Venere. Diadua. Diaf de uma o yachid nishayev misa. It is known in the judgment of Hashem that if anybody is chayev a punishment, mikom makom im asid latseis mimenu davar tov afilu achar elef dor. Hatova who making a love, Laval Yagia Allah Haoneshahu. Hashem will not destroy if there's any goodness that's going to come out of this person. 
even in a hundred generations. doesn't matter. That Kaddish Baruch who sees that in the future there's going to be some goodness, what does the Gemara say? Bibrebanov shal haman. I'm learning Torah in Bnei Brak. Bibrebanov, the descendants of such Rishoyim, if Hashem sees, they're not going to be destroyed unless until they allowed to reproduce to continue. Dafilu b'moav. Amrinon. What does Hashem say about Amon and Moab? The Gemara says, Bishloshte prayed those tovos. Because of Naama and Rus, that's why Amon and Moab were Zochet to live. Because of two females, two women. That's it. Vachin Bakorach. Rashi quotes this in Parshas Korach. Korach sees in the future Shmuel Hanavi. In his descendants, he's like, Whoa, I've got a Shmuel? Korach was a Navi. He saw in the future. I've got a Shmuel, it must be that I'm great. And therefore he argued against Moshe. Sha'amar Rosh al Shalas Gadol Yatasbimenu Vikhain. We all know the Rashi. Parchishmos, Moshe Rabbeinu goes out. What does he do? He sees the Mitzri hitting the Jew. What does the Bazak say? Vayifin Kova Chova Yarkienish. He looked this day and that way. He saw there was nobody. What does Chazal say? He looked into the future of this person. He saw there's no there's nobody that's ever going to convert. There's not going to be any spark in the future. So Moshe Rabbeinu also. The Yim Kain, line 13 now. If such applies to individuals, to an Amon, to a Moab, to a Mitzri, to a Korach, Kol Shekain, to an entire generation, to an entire generation of people, if there's any goodness that would come out from any of them, Hashem wouldn't have destroyed the world. Mikol Shekain, but there are Mabel, Shehu Ola Malei, if Hashem saw there would be anything good, Hashem wouldn't have destroyed the world with the Mabel. So what happens here? Says the Nachlas Yaakov. What is Hamas and what's Nishchas? Chazal say in Sanhedrin, and we know, what was the, the Chasima, what was the final nail in the coffin of the Adora Mabel? Hamas. Stealing. Certain type of stealing, that was what they did for a living. That was the law. The law was you had to steal. It was so, it was so, so prevalent. Right? It's one of the Shem Mitzvahs of Noach. But it was so bad. That was the final, final nail. And we've discussed in the past why that was the final nail. But that was the reason Hashem destroyed the world. But Hashem wouldn't have destroyed the world if there was any little chance that something good would come out of any of these people. But only God, Hashem can know that. That's hashchasa. Hashchasa, we'll read it inside in a second, means total obliteration of values to the degree that there's no chance, and only Hashem can know that, that there's no chance for a generation, for a person, and Moshe Rabbeinu can know it too, by Yarkianish. Line 16, V'nei shem nishchas nomar al-dvarshin is kalkel ve'ino nitzvah l'klum, nitzvah l'klum. It will never be successful. It will never be able to be saved. V'kemosha kasev v'nei nishchas ho'ezar v'lo yitzvah l'kol. He says that's how, now we can understand the psukim. What did the psukim say? V'atishachei sa'aretz l'fnei alokim. It was totally, there was no chance. Which avera? V'atimali ha'aretz chamas. It was chamas. What did Hashem see? In order to influence his decision. He saw no chance. And only Hashem could see that. So what did he tell Noach? The reason is Hamas. The quantity, so to speak, the measure of the Hamas is the Hashchasa level. It's so destructive. It destroyed itself so much that now it's time. And that's how you read the Pesukim. Hashem saw the Hashchasa on the bottom, line 27. And that's why he was able to use Hamas as the reason, and Hashchasa as the measurement of the, of the reason. Okay. Now we get to the two major thoughts that talk about pre- and post-mobile. And the first we have, from someone who we don't learn enough of, but when we do, it's always memorable. The Be'er Yosef. Be'er Yosef Misalant. 
the great darshan from Yerushalayim, Nifter in the 1980s. Let's read a Rashi together. Perikvah Pasuk Zion. Have it up there in the source number seven as well. Kodesh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbi, it tells Noach that build a teva v'ani, Pasuk Yudzayim. I'm going to bring the marble on the land. To destroy. Everything that is alive will be destroyed. Even the land. Everything is going to be totally uh, uprooted. Rashi tells us, What is that Russian? Hinani. I am prepared. That's what Hinani always means. Right? By the, by the Akedah. Hashem says, Avram, Hinani. Right? I'm ready. So what does it mean? Hashem says, Hinani. Rashi. Hinani muchan lahaskim im osam shezerzuni. I am ready to agree to those who have encouraged me. The Amru lefanai kfar ma enosh kitiz karenu. I am ready to agree with those. The Medrash talks about the Malachim. I am ready to agree with those who have told me beforehand. Why are you creating man? According to Pasuk to Hillim. Asks, says, says Rashi, the Malachim asked Hashem, what are you doing? Why are you creating, creating man? He's a Shakran. He's a Baal Ketata. The Malachim didn't want man to be created. And then they argued again later on when the Torah was given. That's what Hashem says. Hinnani is, I'm ready. I'm ready to agree with those who told me originally I shouldn't create man. I'm ready to agree with them. Did he agree with them ultimately? Rashi says, I'm ready to agree with them. Says the Bar Yosef, but he didn't. He didn't destroy the world. He kept Noah. He kept his family, kept the animals, took some seeds on the Teva to rebuild and replant. Says the Bar Yosef, we read this Rashi a hundred times, we don't catch it. I'm ready to agree, but really what they wanted is not what actually happened. The Ramban's question. Beginning of Surah 7. Because of a Ramban Tema. Heich maskimi mahem. How did we see that he agreed with them? Vuhu mashir lahem she'eris lepleta gedola. Binoachu bana v'kol chayla harbo saram kechol. He did destroy the world. He destroyed 99.9% of the world. He covered it. But Noach and the family kept going. So what does Rashi mean? That Hashem was ready and agreed with those who told him not to create the world. Says the Bar Yosef, to answer the Rabban's question, it must be that the Malachim were not upset at the creation, but how creation took place. A certain element of creation. And the Bar Yosef is going to say something major changed. From before the Mabel to after the marble. A little different nuance in language. Right? We say, oh, beforehand they, could, they couldn't eat animals, and afterwards they could eat animals. Says the Rabbi no, no, something much, much deeper. Let's read it. The Efshar line for Levar Bakavanasa. Kitainasa malachim lohaisal etzem briyasa adam. Kiemal ofan briyuso. They didn't complain that man was created. They complained how he was created. But Masha'am HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Nase Adam, what was the language back in Paragal of Abrashis? The Yerdu Bidgas Hayam Uvaof HaShemayim Uvahibah V'chal Haaretz. Ridui. The Yerdu. That's one type of authority. Ridia. That is a very powerful, intense type of authority that Hashem originally gave man over the animals. We'll see where this is reflected. Let's just finish first. The Alzeta knew, and about this, the Malachim were upset. How could you give man such authority over the animal kingdom? Line 11. Line 12. Masha Kadesh Barchu wrote Selah Hamlicho, Ula Hashlito, Alkobe Machaiva Of, the Alkoba Aretz. That was their Taina. And therefore, Hashem changed. Because if you look after the Mabel, it does not say that man has ridia over the animals. There is a different word used, which we'll see soon. 
But first, let's backtrack for a second and see what he says. Line 18. Vihine. A question that bothers all of us based on Chazal. According to Chazal, why were the animals destroyed besides two of every animal? Because they also inter-reproduced, intermated, right? Animals that, that were not the same species, they also mated with each other. What, what, they don't have a taiva for that? What were the animals doing? What a dog and a wolf and a... Jo- what were they doing? So what, what, is, what did the Mepharshim explain? Because they were influenced by man. When man is, is full of illicit and abnormal behaviors, so it affects the animal kingdom. It affects the entire atmosphere and avira around. That's the koach, the power of our actions. How did man have this effect? You know why, says the Ber Yosef? Because originally he had an intense rulership over the animals. The animals were afraid of man. Man ruled. To be Rhoda is a complete subservience of the animals to man. And that level of subservience even shows itself in the behavior of the animals. And that's what the Malachim were saying, Takarish Baruch Hu. How could you give man such power of redui that whatever they do, it's going to affect the world around them? Your beautiful natural animal kingdom and the plant life, it's going to be affected when man ruins his life through his averos? This is how you're creating the world? This is not perfection. This is not a great world. Make it more limited. Make it in a way that he can destroy himself, but he can't affect so much the natural world around. Line 29. How is it possible? Mishum. Shekivan Sha'adam Hayam Moshel. Al-Kolabriyakula. Me-Roshavad Sofa. Since man was Moshel, on the entire creation, it was under his jurisdiction. He was the king. Man was the king of the forest before the Mabal. All animals listened to their masters. There was no such thing as a disobedient ox. All animals were subservient. That kind of power gave them. It was the mitzvahs. It was the reality that they affected the world around them. Um I'm on the bottom. And that's why even, amazing, he says, the Gemara tells us in Zvachim, that the Mabel did not go to Eretz Yisrael. There were invisible shields around Eretz Yisrael. The marble didn't get in. The water was unbelievably high. The water didn't get in. Water didn't get into Eretz Yisrael. Even though the Gemara tells us all the animals died and all the people that did live there also died from the steam. Remember, the marble was boiling water. It wasn't cold rain. It was boiling water. So the steam, the Hevel killed. Why didn't the marble go in there? Right? If everybody was going to be killed anyway, why didn't Hashem just allow the marble waters to go in? Explains the Beryose. According to my pshat, the man's actions affected the whole animal kingdom and even affected the earth. That's why three tfachim of the earth was lost also in the marble. Because man's terrible actions of Hamas affected the animals, affected the earth. He couldn't affect the Kedusha Saaretz. The animals there, the people there maybe, but the Kedusha of the Eretz Yisrael couldn't be affected. Even with that intense power that man have, the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael is even greater. And that's why the Hevel got in there, to the beings inside, but the waters didn't get in there. Because the Kedusha Saaretz was independent. I'm sure when Rosh Zalman heard this drasha, he said, Rosh Zalman told the Bar Yosef to write this. He said, Klaius, on these your drashas. I'm sure he smiled when he heard this part. He says, right, it couldn't, couldn't, uh, Overpowered the Kedusha Saaretz, or Shlomo Zaman who never left Eretz Yisrael. The Balechayim were Makalkal. And that's why only the steam went in, but not the waters itself. Fine. 
That's pre-mabba. Post-mabba, what did Rashi say? HaKadosh Baruch says, okay, I'm going to listen to them. What was our question? What do you mean? They said not to create. No. They just said how the creation took place. So now I'm going to listen. I'm going to take away certain powers from man over the animal kingdom. Now we live in a post-mabba world. We don't go close to a lion if we're smart. We don't go close to rhinoceroses if we're smart. Why? Because we don't have that same authority like we had before the mabba. Even though the entire year we took care of the animals, doesn't matter. It didn't work out. What does that mean? I'm not going to curse the earth anymore before man. Because Hashem took away power. He's explaining why there's going to be a change. Why? Why is there a difference? Because he had a change. What was going to be? And what does it say? Now line 25 on the left side. He doesn't say, the year do. What does he say? A certain awe and trepidation. Most animals are still scared of people. You go near a dog, you go near a, you know, a fox, they usually run away from people. But it's not the same. It doesn't say, Shayirdu. Doesn't say that. And the Medrash says, Morev Chatis Chazru, Ridia Lo Chazru. Ridia did not come back. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu couldn't have the same situation that if the whole world would, would, would go down again, that the animals would be affected and the earth would be affected and he'd have to start again. So he listened to the Malachim in that way. 36. Okay. That is the Be'er Yosef. And he even says in the continuation, turning over the page, on the top right, now that we have the lesser intense power, it is not in our power, we don't have the power to change nature around us. There was a major change that took place pre and post Mabel in terms of the authority and the relationship that we have with the animal kingdoms. And he even says on 21, just to finish, Hashem didn't want to have to go through another Mabel. That's how he knows. How did Hashem know that there wouldn't be... Obviously, Hashem knows. But we're asking from our point of view. How did He know that He would never have to bring another Mabal to the world? He promised. It's never going to happen again. How do you know? Maybe the world would be so terrible and the animals would be affected and the Lord they affect, the answer is they'll never be affected again. Animals don't have a taiva to do averis. And neither does the earth. Hashem knew because He changed the world after the Mabal. Who was a chesed? To weaken our authority. Less power, but less effect on them. And that really works out for our benefit in the in the long run. That's one thought related to the change that took place, the transition. I think we've mentioned in the past also, just a couple of years, I think we maybe mentioned it in a, in a Hazinu Shir. The language, Rashi in Parshish Hazinu says that it says the phrase Be'etzem Hayom Azet three places in the Torah, even more. But Rashi puts three together. Here by Noah, Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim, and by Moshe's death. Why all three? Because Rashi tells us, because by all three, People were going to try to prevent it by Noah. Right? People say, oh yeah, you try to go into that table, we're going to break it down. Hashem says, I'm going to put him, put him to go into the table in the middle of the afternoon. Let's see, let's see who has power over who. You see, it's trying. The Mitzrayim said, we're not going to let them out. Hashem says, I'm going to take them out in broad daylight. Let's see who has control. And finally, Moshe Rabbeinu. B'nai Israel said, we're not going to let Moshe Rabbeinu die. He's supposed to die in heart, we're not going to let him go. Hashem says, it's time, and I'm going to bring him up at some Hayom That's three. But maybe a deeper idea behind just the connection between all these three is that all these three, each of them represent a transitional stage in history. And the before 
is not the same as the after. Pre and post Mabel were very different worlds. Pre and post Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim were very different worlds. The birth of a nation. Pre and post the death of Moshe Rabbeinu was the very different worlds. Moshe Kibbutzurah Misinai is one generation and Masar Yeshua is the next generation. Very different worlds. And we even have mentioned in the past, that's what it says by Yom Kippur too. It says by Etzim Ayom is that by Yom Kippur. Because maybe Yom Kippur could be a transitionary moment in each of our lives every year. But either way, that's it's a transitionary moment. So the Bar Yosef explains how it's different. But another suggestion, before we uh, have two short thoughts to end for tonight, another major idea about the Mabo comes from the Aznayim Latar of Saratskin. And now we move on to after the Mabo. Parakhtes. Later on in the Parsha, Parakhtes, Pasig Yudbeis, we go through the Psukim of the Keshes, of the rainbow. There was major rainbows this week in Beit Shemesh. Amazing. It seems like every year there are rainbows, Parshas Noah. It's unbelievable. Anyway, says the, says the Torah, Vayomer Elohim, Zos os habris asher anino seim benio benechem. This is the bris. Es kashtin asati be'anon. I'm putting my rainbow in the cloud. We've discussed in past years. Is in it a natural uh, occurrence? Were rainbows created during my sabratius? Was this the first rainbow? Okay. Es kashtin asati be'anon. Vahayala os bris benio ben ha'aretz. This is a bris. Vahaya ba'anini anana la'aretz. Vinerasa keshes be'anon. That's the second time. First Hashem says, my rainbow, I will put in the cloud to be a covenant. Next, Pasuk. When I have a cloud, you'll see the rainbow in the cloud. And then, I will remember the bris. Third time. The keshes is in the anon. It says the word bris a bunch of times. It says the word keshes a bunch of times. And I will remember the bris. And I will remember it. What's the emphasis of the Anan and that it's a bris? What are all these verbose psukim seems to be emphasizing? Says Rav Saratskin. Source number nine. I'm bothered, he says, by so many Lashonos, but also I'm bothered by the word bris. Bris always means a covenant. A covenant requires two parties. Bris bein habesarim. It's an agreement. Krisas bris. It's an agreement. It's always two parties. That, by the way, is one of the answers. A number of years ago we discussed this. One of the answers why out of all the mitzvahs, we know Avram Avinu did all the mitzvahs before he was commanded. There's one that he didn't do before he was commanded. He waited for the command, and that's bris mila. Why didn't Avram circumcise himself before he was commanded? He did all the other mitzvahs. Why did he circumcise himself? Various answers given, but one of the answers is that a br- the bris milah is a bris. Exactly, it's a covenant. You have to have two sides to the covenant. You can't volunteer, right? It's a, an agreement between Hashem and man. That by definition, you can't just volunteer. One of the reasons given why he couldn't, he didn't volunteer. But as for Saraskin, when Hashem puts the rainbow in the sky, what does that have to do with us? What is the covenant there? Hashem promises. That's called an oath. That's called a shvuah. Hashem promises never to bring another mabel. What kind of bris is that? What are we committing to when there's a rainbow? Says, does I am Torah? You see the question, line five. V'hinei, bris anachreses be'in be'ez sadim u'machayev ashneim. V'im raksarechad mischayev lechaver hu nishvalo. That's a shvuah. So, line 15. V'lachore e'en kan v'aparshaz ha'keshes shum mischayev u'smitzad ha'adam. It's a faulty wording in the Torah. Right? What's the bris? So he says, let me explain. Let me explain. He quotes Chazal. The Mepharshia Torah give different reasons why Hashem chose a rainbow as his sign. Why the rainbow? Okay, it has to do with rain, and the Mabo was raining. But why the, why the rainbow? Why is that the, the uh, simon? So, so Rav Sereskin says, I don't know why Mepharshim don't say what I think is the Pashat answer. Look in the first parak of Sefer Yechezkel. Which, by the way, once we're doing Navi, we started a Navi Shir this week, also on the uh, OU.org uh, website, backslash Torah. Join us. We started Sefer with an introduction, and we're starting with Nevi'im Rishonim, Sefer Yoshua. We just started this week. Feel free to, uh, to join us. And Bezashem, the, the podcast is in the, in the works. It's supposed to be able to be podcasted 
as well. But right now it's on the website. Says the Rev. Sarotskin. Look in the first parak of Yechezkel. What is described there? What does Yechezkel see in the Maisim Merkava? Which we're not going to get too di- deep into now because the Mishnah says we're not allowed to. Says the Pasik, Kimare Hakeshes Asher Yiyeh Be'anon Biyom HaGeshem Just like a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day, Kain Mare Hanoga Savivhu Mare Demusk Hashem. A rainbow is a reflection of Hashra'as Hashchina. That's what Yechezkel saw. That's how it was described. V'divrei Chazal. And Chazal even say, Dafyomi came up a couple weeks ago, when the Amoram was started darshaning, the Tanam started to darshan Maisim Merkava, a rainbow came down, even though it was the middle of the summer and it was not raining. Because that's a sign of Hashra'as Hashchina. That's what a rainbow is. See, he says, now towards the bottom, Ef Shalomar, Bipashtus, you know what a keshes is? Hashem's coming to judge. And Hashem says, I, um, I want to destroy, you know, the, the world is deserving of a punishment. As we know, a rainbow is not a great sign. Even though we all love to see rainbows and we make a brach on it, but the Gemara says we're not supposed to stare at it too intensely because it's a simon that, you know, it's not so... Shem is not so happy with us. And that's why in certain generations of the Gemara, there were no rainbows. Because this chus of that, that, that great, uh, those great uh, Tanoim. Ukishibnei Adam Roim. Turning the page. Esakeshes. When people see the rainbow, Aleim Ladas, they should know. Kichetah darahu chat agadolav Aleim Lashuv Lashem. The rainbow is a bris. You know why? Because the rainbow is a reflection of Hashem coming down. What's going on, my children? And we have to do tshuva. Whenever we see a rainbow, we have to take it as a, an opportunity, an inspiration to do tshuva. But that's the bris. That's the emphasis of bris, bris, bris. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to come close to Him. But continues Rev Saratskin. The bris was only mitzad people. Mitzad, the animals, Mitzad, the ground that were destroyed, they don't have to agree to anything. But Hashem changed nature. If you medike in the Psukim, as he did, we're not going to read it inside. But he says, Bris is only used in terms of people. When it comes to Chaya Sa'aret, Hashem makes a Shvua. Hashem says, I'm never going to do this again. Because Mitzidam, they didn't do anything wrong. At the very Yosef said, they were just affected by us. They're not going to be affected again. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises them that we're never going to have destruction like that again. The message of the Keshes and the bris of the Keshes. Okay, let's try to squeeze in two final thoughts. One is a Dubna Magid. If we look back in towards the beginning of the parasha, we said we'll come back to this. Again, it's a Gemara, beginning of Sechas Psachim, when the animals are described going onto the Teva. The kosher animals, which are called the Behemos Tahoros, Mina Behema HaTahora. And what's the non kosher animals? How are they described? Mina Behema. And Chazal pick up on this in Psachim and say, A person should always use refined language. Obviously, Nivel Pez, for sure, off the charts. But even in the Mutter realm, we should use refined language. As B'nai Torah, as B'nai Hashem. So that's why the Torah says here, It doesn't say Tamea. Tamea is like impure. We're not going to say that. What animals? Tahora, Tahora. Asks the Velt, asks everyone. Later on in the Torah, it says Tameh. There's plenty of that. When it goes through Hilchas Kashrus and Parsha Shmini, these are the tar animals, these are the Tameh animals. So why in the beginning of the Torah it says Tameh, but later on it says Tameh. Says the Dubna Magid, with a mashal. Source number 11, quoted here in Pnini HaTorah. Bishchuna Sosha Rav Gara there was a man who lived in the city with a Rav. Nachus Darga, he was a, a lowlife, we would call him. Gasu Bar. But he had money. But he was a real Menuval, really low person. Ancheir, Kinu Oso, Zanvo Magushim. Zanvo is the name Magushim from the word Gashmias. That was who he was. Pam Nechamas Echel, the Rav. One time somebody walked into the Rav's house, the Shal. Where is Rav Zanvo lived? So the Shamish of the Rav is like, which Rav Zanvo are you talking about? Zanvo Magushim? And the Rav turns to him and says, how could you call him that? 
What are you saying? How can you insult him like that? Okay, he's like that, but he's a low life, but you have to call him that. Washin Hara. Okay. So the Shamish realized that you shouldn't talk that way. A couple times, a couple days later, whenever it was, there was a Shadchan that came to the Rav. And the Shadchan said, Rav, I have a great choice for your son. The Rav's like, really? Who? He says, the daughter of Zanvil. The daughter of Zanvil Magushim? What are you talking about? I'm going to go marry, marry off my son to him? And all of a sudden the Shamish says, Rebbe, you just said we're not allowed to call him that. What is that? Did you forget yourself? Were you just upset that that was, a, that was the, the, the proposal? The, the Rav said, no, no, you don't understand. When there's no toelis, when there's no importance, when there's no halachic reason to mention an insult, so then you're not allowed. But here he's trying to convince me to marry my son off to a daughter of someone who's not a Bas Tam Chacham in any stretch of the imagination. So I have to make it clear to him that this is not a, a shidduch that should take place. It should be clear. At the beginning of the Torah, there's no halachic reason why I'd have to say the word Tameh. We don't have to emphasize not kosher. There was no Hichos Kashras yet. There was descriptions. What could be used as a carbon, what can't be used as a carbon. But later on in the Torah, kosher, non-kosher, the Torah has to emphasize, these are not kosher. Stay away. Don't get near them. Tame, tame, tame. It's not, again, it's not nivel. It's just emphatically saying the description of what is, what is meant. So basically, the Dubna Agat says, when there's a halachic reason for clarity, that's when we have clarity. Earlier, we don't need it as much. And finally, we end off tonight with the Rav Yerucham. Rav Yerucham says on the Pasuk all the way at the end of the Parsha, a Pasuk that is known, Hashem smells the Reach Nichoach and says, I'm not going to destroy the world anymore, because after all, I understand man has his challenges. Ki yetzer lev ha'adam ra minu'urav. Man's got a strong Yetzirah, says the Pasuk. Chazal tell us we get a Yetzirah right away when we're born. Yetzirah told we get when we're 12 or 13. Yetzirah, we got right away. That's why children are so egotistical, because the Yetzirah wasn't really full yet. But, says Rav Yerucham, Ki Yetzirah lev ha'adam ra minu'urav. Source 13. It's a Rashi. We get our Yitzhar right away. In life, just to paraphrase it in one line, there's no middle ground. There's no neutral action in life. What does Hashem say? I put in front of you. Good and bad. Life or death. Shnei Drachimim. Hashem doesn't say, I put in front of you, life, death, and somewhere in the middle. No. There's bracha, there's klala, there's chayim, there's maves. Shnei Drachimim imatov imhara, beinam ein velo klum. Ein makom panui, chielo tov ra. Everything that we do in life, every action we do in life, is either bringing us closer to Hashem or distancing us from Hashem. That doesn't mean we have to be focused in shul all day. Taking a proper halachic vacation is also bringing me closer to Hashem. Having relaxing is also bringing us closer to Hashem if it's done properly. Done improperly, even learning. Learning for the wrong reasons could be taking me away from being close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the Sahara is there right away. And he's ready for a fight. And says Rav Yerucham, we have to realize... We can't have a middle path. Line 8. Madolo yifchar al-adam derech emtsa'i l'snaigat smo ba'ofan neutrali. Ye adam stami. Asher manua yimna. I won't do too bad. I won't go to be too bad. I won't be too good. I'll be somewhere in the middle. I'll be a benoni. I'll be somewhere in the middle, he says. He says there's no benonis. As the Bali Muster described, life is going up a down escalator. If we're not going up, you know where we're going. And there's no middle ground. There's no staying in the middle. You not say a second paragraph. You not say ha adam lisnehei kacha b'meshach ezazman. You try to be in the middle for a little bit. V'yivakach b'sofok. He's at built tf shari. It's impossible. B'sofa yamim yimsa atzmo achas mishtayim o tzadik o rasha v'lo neutrali klal. 
And therefore, every action in our life should be measured, must be thought out, and decided with the realization and the recognition of Yetzer Lev Adam Rami Nurev. It's a, it's a war zone out there, or in there. Shoftim Shoftim Titim Lecha Bechal Sharecha. We have Shoftim, we have to have Shoftim inside each, ourselves. And we have to make sure that we always are focused, always recognizing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in the middle of our lives. We have to be divine and HaKadosh Baruch Hu centric. And Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us the Siyat HaDashmaya to succeed in all of our endeavors. Okay, we'll stop here. Again, remember, as we said, the Navi Shir is, uh, has started this week. Also, any sponsorships are available for all the Shiurim on the, uh, in the Parsha Shiurim, in the Navi Shiurim, in the Daf Shiurim. Feel free to contact the OU website. Okay, we'll stop.